In the name of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, and who tells us, Behold, I come quickly, and likewise says, Watch and pray, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Grace and peace be with you all in his name. So I don't have to tell anybody from the upper Midwest that old joke that there really are two seasons in Minnesota, winter and road construction season, right? We've grown accustomed that once the snow finally melts, the trees start to bud, orange signs begin to appear along the roadway, telling us we've entered construction season. And we realize that construction may be various things. It may be a simple patch and repair job, or it might be a more extensive tear down and rebuild of an entire interstate road. <coughs> In ancient times, most roads were packed dirt, clay, or gravel. They didn't have semis and dump trucks going over them. The heaviest traffic they dealt with might be a camel loaded down with goods. And so road repair was very infrequent. However, when someone prominent and powerful, someone like a king or maybe even Caesar, was about to visit a town, they would prepare the way. They would smooth out that uneven ground so that Caesar could ride in comfortably to the capital city. This morning, as we think about the ministry of John the Baptist, we hear how he was called to prepare the way for the king of kings. This morning, let's consider how John used both the law and the gospel for a sort of <coughs> spiritual road repair, road construction in the heart of his hearers. And as we do, let's pray that the Holy Spirit uses the words of John the Baptist to work in each of our own hearts, that we may be prepared for the return of King Jesus. Listen now to the word of God in Luke chapter 3, as we read verses 3 through 14. And he, that is John, went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked (coughs) shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, 
Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And they said, he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threat or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. So far, the word of God. Even so, we pray. O Lord, sanctify us through your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. So do you know how potholes are formed? It usually starts with just a small crack, something that may not even be noticeable to the naked eye. But when you live in colder climates and water gets into those cracks, what happens when that water freezes? It expands, and then it thaws, and then it expands some more, and thaws, and expands, and finally, you go over it with your car, and it's unmistakable. There's a hole in the road puncturing my tires and ruining my alignment. But again, how did it begin? Just that little crack. Doesn't sin kind of work the same way? Sin that takes hold of our heart starts as that little crack. Think of King David walking on the roof of his palace that night. It was just a little crack. He was just going to have a look at his neighbor's wife bathing. But once sin got into that crack, it expanded and took hold. Soon there was adultery and murder and lies. Or think of the drunkard. He didn't become a drunkard overnight. Now there was that first buzz, and his brain liked how it felt. There was a crack, and sin got into that crack, and sin desired more of that feeling, that buzz, that feeling, until alcohol consumed him, and the bottle became his God. The sinful flesh that once thrilled at seeing a woman with very little clothes on, suddenly wants more. Sin got in that little crack, and it expanded until hours of porn was watched each week. Or that first time you skipped church when you had the opportunity to go. It may have made you feel a little uneasy, but the crack formed, didn't it? And your sinful heart realized, eh, this isn't that hard. It's a little bit easier to just sleep in, skip church. I don't have to get ready. I don't have to wrestle with my kids to get out the door. I don't have to focus through a sermon or through prayers. Like one college-age girl told me, it became easier and easier to skip church until it bothered me so much that it didn't bother me. What about lying and cheating? Rarely does lying and cheating start out big because we know no one's going to believe our big lies or our big cheats. But those little lies, those little cheats, 
And soon the sinful heart realizes, oh, I can get away with more and more and more until there's a pothole of lies in your life. You see how easily sin creeps into our hearts and expands until it forms a huge, ugly pothole? James describes it this way. He says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin finds cracks in the heart. It expands, forming ugly potholes of death in our lives. So we realize the human heart needs a lot of repair, needs a lot of work. And we find John doing that very thing in our text. He preaches a message that would hardly be accepted by modern society. He said to the crowds, to their face, brood of vipers, children of serpents, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John the Baptist knew that Jesus was coming like a refiner's fire, like an intense heat that refines metals and removes impurities. And Jesus was coming. And he was going to expose sin and hypocrisy. And so as John sees the crowds coming out to them, he sees people who are like fleeing that refiner's fire to come, like snakes slithering out of their holes when a wildfire approaches. And he says it to their face. He goes on to say, Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. So many Jews had mountains of pride that we are the descendants of Abraham. We are God's chosen people. Nothing bad will ever happen to us just because of our genealogy. And so John comes along to do road work. If you've ever watched people do road construction, and not the guy standing there with the sign, he doesn't have much to do, but the guys digging in the asphalt and the concrete, they're doing some pretty hard work on some pretty hot days. They clean up the holes. They clear them out. They have to do that before they can repair it. John's doing the same thing, isn't he? He's doing the hard work in the heat of the day addressing sin. He's preaching the law of God in its full wrath to expose the potholes of sin and the mountains of pride. He's making known to these Jews that physical Outward associations mean nothing to God. Instead, as God told Samuel, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so John tells them, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Repentance is that turn, that 180 degree turn headed in the wrong direction to sin, to hell, to death. And the Holy Spirit shows you your sin and turns you around and shows you Jesus, your Savior. 
And so John says to bear fruits, show evidence of that repentance. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Rather than talking about their heritage and their traditions, John calls on them to repent from their sins and to demonstrate repentance with outward works. What would John say if he were in this pulpit today? You think he'd say the same thing to us? Would he call us a brood of vipers? Couldn't John point the finger to each one of us and say, don't begin to say to yourself, well, we're Lutherans, we're conservative, we have the Bible, we go to church every Sunday. Like the audience John was addressing, do we have mountains of pride about our church, our traditions, our families? Do we need to be chopped down? Do we need to be warned about the wrath to come? Absolutely. If you have a pulse, your sinful flesh still lives within you. That old Adam needs to hear the law of God in all its fiery wrath and anger, condemning sin. With the psalmist we pray, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The word picture there is like a squirrel digging for a nut. The psalmist is praying that God would dig around in his heart and see if there is any wicked way in there and remove it. But to do that, we need God to hold up the mirror of his law. He needs to show us his demands and show us all the ugly potholes and mountains of sin that are present in our heart. As in the time of our text, we need John the Baptist to do spiritual road construction on our crooked, rough, and prideful hearts of sin. But what's the point of road construction? Why do we do it every spring, summer, and fall? We do it because the roads are bad, right? And we want to repair those roads. We want to have a smoother ride as we go to Grandma's house for Christmas. When we think of John the Baptist, we might think of that fiery preacher wearing rough clothes, living out in the wilderness. But if that's all we think of with John the Baptist we're missing the biggest part of his entire ministry. After all, as we said to the children, he was the one that pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, look, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Furthermore, Isaiah prophesies, as we just sang in our hymn, that John brings a message of comfort, not just condemnation. Luke quotes Isaiah that John will fill in the valleys. He will straighten out the crooked and he will make the rough places level. And then what? Take a look at verse 6. After the filling in, 
the straightening out, the leveling, then all flesh shall see the salvation of God. As John comes preaching the law, his purpose is not just to make people feel bad and uncomfortable, it's to reveal the truth. And in revealing the truth about our sin, his desire is then to show us the Lamb, the Savior, the one who is coming to take away the sin of the world. Or to put it another way, he shows people their sins to show them how much they need a Savior. Look at how Luke summarizes John's ministry in verse 3. He says, John came proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That was the goal of John's ministry, the forgiveness of sins. John didn't do spiritual road construction just to tear people down. No, he exposed sin to show the great need for forgiveness. He was there to prepare people to meet the Lord. To do that, he needed to tear down the mountains of sin. He would point them to Jesus, who would fill in the valleys of their unrighteousness with his own righteousness. That's the good news John brought. That's the comfort of the gospel. And so, how did the crowds react? How do we react? Verse 10. Group after group asked John, what should we do now? That's the response of repentant faith, isn't it? You've seen your sin. You've seen God's great love in sending his son to save you from your own sin. What do we do now? Well, John built them up by giving them directions for their Christian lives. Share, he says. Be faithful in your work. Don't cheat. Don't threaten others. Be content. Those are fruits of repentance that demonstrate thankfulness to God for forgiveness. John prepared people for the first coming of Jesus. As we await his second coming in glory, he'd say the same thing to us, wouldn't he? As the days get more and more evil and our sinful flesh is enticed to go along with the ways of the world, John still comes proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He calls you to turn from your sins and to look to Jesus, the Lamb, who takes away those sins. And then rejoicing in God's good and gracious forgiveness through Jesus Christ, show your repentance in what you do. We can't see God, can we? God doesn't need our good works as though he lacks something. But the people around you need your good works. You can see your neighbor. You can share. Be faithful in your work. Don't cheat. Don't threaten. Be content. These things benefit the other people God has created. Those are fruits in keeping with repentance. These are things that flow from the gospel, that good news of what Jesus has done to save us. We complain about road construction, don't we? And one of the reasons we don't like road construction slows us down and we have to take detours. 
rather than complaining about the spiritual road construction that God does in our hearts. Let us slow down and take a good, hard look in the mirror of God's word and see all those cracks and those potholes and those mountains of pride. Rejoice as God detours you from the way you were headed to point you to Jesus, who is the way. And then rejoice. Rejoice as God fills you up and levels you out with his eternal love and his forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.